Greetings from the Long Island Sound podcast. Welcome to the show. Please rate, review, and comment on the show. And call our listener line and leave a message for our guests. Dial 631-800-3579. All right, enjoy the show. Thanks for joining us for the Long Island Sound podcast. Each week we explore new music and dive deeper with the artists and their stories behind the music. Please subscribe and rate and review us wherever you stream this podcast. Here's your host, Steve Yusko. Looking for an energy boost? Well, you've come to the right place. Final Call is my guest today. Originally from Long Island, the boys met in high school and have been going strong for almost a decade. A pop punk band with impressive chops. We explore their music, process, and social media strategy. Let's drink in their song, What Lies Ahead. Time to see. 
Listening to their songs makes you want to hit the club scene and experience the band live. Final Call was established by three friends in high school with a verdant musical career on track. With that, I say, welcome, guys, to the podcast. Good to have you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. So um, I'll start off with um, with Pat, because uh, you're the lead singer, right, Pat? So Indeed, I am. When did you guys get together, and uh, you know, how did the uh, Final Call come become a band? Yeah, um, so we've been a band now for about nine years, which is oh, wow. crazy, crazy to think about um, looking back on it, but... Uh, we were actually all really good friends in high school. We went to St. Anthony's High School together, um, and we were all on the track team together, which is where the name Final Call came from, because it was like, oh, Final Call 1600 when you're stepping up to your yeah, race. Everyone like a meet, they would have a Final Call for events. Slight we we TTM. <laughs> so, so you got taught by the brothers, huh? Yeah, we did. That we yeah. did. Um, yeah. Which you would you would think a pop punk band wouldn't really have that association with it, but um, yeah. So uh, all, all best friends from high school, and we started our junior year. Actually, uh, it kind of just started through uh, our school's talent show or variety show that was happening, and we decided to just go for it one year. And um, the crowd response and just kind of the way that we felt was too good to pass up on. So ever since then, we've been, you know, delving into our own original music and playing more and more shows, both in Long Island and New York City, which is primarily where we're based out of now. So it's only been going up since then, but that's kind of how we started. So is uh, the original lineup still part of the group right now, or were, were there some changes? So we've had a couple of changes on the bass guitar, um, just through, I mean, they've all been great friends of ours, but, you know, just availability and things change over the years. Um, but well, we can Greg, certainly point out, we can, you can point out the one that was lousy if he's not here. Yeah. Or she's not here you know. <laughs> no, I'm all about that. that. Um, no, they're all great. The rest of us have stayed the same. It's just uh, yeah, bass has yeah. been kind of a revolving door. Um, yeah. But we got a good guy now that we like, so that's what matters, right? But yeah. uh, me, Pat, and Greg um, have, been, uh, have been the same since high school. Gotcha. Now, who are we missing? So Greg so is our two lead members. guitarist, um, and yeah. Paul is our bassist. Wait, so uh, uh, just repeat, Pat, for me. Give oh, me sorry. the lineup. Yeah. So Greg, Greg Diem, he's our uh, lead guitarist, and Paul Vomvis is our bass guitarist. So it's a pretty typical four-piece. Gotcha, gotcha. You know what's funny is actually my brother-in-law, George, uh, so he's about 67 now, went to St. Anthony's as well. Oh, yeah. So, was in a band with Not guys really. from St. St. Anthony's, right? Uh, you know, for a short period of time. Uh, one guy that lasted in the business is a guy named Brian Unger, who mm -hmm. uh, was part of this uh, group, one of his many groups uh, called Industry. Did a uh, did a video on MTV in the seventies, which was kind of oh, cool really? to watch. Yeah, and he still he still uh, uh, produces music um, and has a studio in Patchogue. Oh, very uh, cool. Of, of all places cool. as well. So it's funny, these these little connections, you know, that that come about, you know. So you're so you're in St. Anthony's, you get the itch, you get a good response, and what do you do? Start gig, gigging right away, you know, hitting the local bars and, and festivals and stuff? Or how, how did things progress for you? Because I'm only interested on, I mean, you've been together nine years. That's quite a milestone, by the way. Doesn't feel like it. Uh, but yeah, I know. Blink of an eye, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Evan, you could probably 
if you want to speak yeah to i mean that. so we 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 started playing you know because we were like pat said we we're all friends together and in high school we started playing the shows there we played the talent show twice and we played a couple other like local um you know like youth center like we played at the local library when they had like you know a rock show or something um sure. and then eventually we went you know so that that's around the time we all went to college and then at that point since you know we all went to different schools we kind of were like well we want to keep playing where do we go from here start to get bars and and outside you know venues and and things like that so i remember uh right away when we started college i don't know how we got this gig but we got um amityville music hall uh oh, wow. in the fall yep. of our freshman year and i'm pretty sure that was our first um quote unquote like public outside, venue you know yeah. where, like anybody could go and we were selling tickets and things like that um so we all came home for that it was probably around like october of uh, i guess that was 2015 um and then since then we probably have done you know anywhere from like two or three per year to up to like four or five six even i think at that at the height of our powers and uh you know like towards the end of college um most of the time we would try to get shows like i said since we're all um apart from each other we'd try to get shows during the breaks like thanksgiving easter and obviously over summer we'd try to play as much as we could um sure. but yeah we started out in Anamiville, we played at amh we played a revolution a bunch and then um, just tried to, you know, meet people that we would meet at shows and, and connect with them and, and see if they booked any other places. And um, I think that's pretty much where, you know, the trajectory that we followed. Our guitarist, Greg, handled a lot of our uh, bookings for the most part. Now, you know, as we as we get older and make our own individual connections, like we will try to book um, more each, you know, on our, like some of us will find something and then one of us will tell the rest of them about it. But um, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of where we started and we're, we, we played a lot on Long Island, uh, in the beginning, just cause that's where we all were from. Um, and now since most of us live in Manhattan or New York city, um, we have been trying to get a bunch more shows here. We just played, uh, Lower East Side a couple weeks ago, and I think we're going to play around there again, um, in the early part of next year. Um, so yeah, just trying to work on expanding, you know, and also, um, thankful for all the places that we've been and, and we're having, we're they've gotten us to where we are today. You know? Now, um, right out of the gate, did you guys have music that you've already written and you started to do your own originals or did you work through, you know, the cover band stuff and then sneak stuff in? How did that happen for you? Yeah, I think it was pr like at the start, at least it was definitely more cover band oriented um, for the mm -hmm. band that primarily drove us together. So like green day and blink One Eighty Two was a lot of the, the stuff that we played. Um, but as we worked together as a band more, um, it didn't take us long to start kind of writing our own material and bringing it to the rest of the group. So like Evan said, when we started to play our own shows and stuff, at that point, we had already written um, and released an EP, I believe. Um, at this point, we've released two EPs and a full-length album. Um, so over the course of seven or so years, every couple of years, we'll put out another couple songs um and the songwriting process has you know transitioned from one of us kind of having an idea and bringing it to the group to us hashing the song out a lot more together you know um oh, nice nice bring the collective ideas of the group into it not to say that one person doesn't start it you know and come up with the initial idea but um i think we all recognize each other's strengths and you know try to bring in um external inputs where we can Nice. That sounds great. It's, I'm always, I, I always ask that because the fact that you've been together and not to harp on this too much for nine years, 
you got to be doing something right. And mm-hmm. I think a couple of things play into it for bands and singer-songwriters. And one is obviously chemistry. So you're playing together, you got chemistry. But then you have to have that back office chemistry as mm-hmm. far as putting songs together and hashing things out and, you know, seeing what works and, and, and pulling it together. The other right. thing I found interesting, and I've kind of learned this over the past few months, is what used to be the approach of gathering enough songs to put together an album no longer really is a priority. It really is. It seems to me to be, hey, you know what? People don't have the attention span to listen through a whole album. We've got to do this ice cream cone thing where we're putting out EPs with two or three songs to try to stay relative and keep it fresh, I guess, with, with your, with your base, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, we, when we first started releasing songs, uh, we went the EP route for a while. Um, Mm -hmm. and mainly that was just because, uh, we were, you know, still in school. So we were busy with a lot of, we we had other stuff going on, so we couldn't really get together and, and we felt that we couldn't write, you know, full albums. So we put out, you know, EPs of four or five, uh, I think, yeah, either four or five songs on all okay. of them to start with just because we figured, hey, you know, we have this handful of songs. We're not going to wait to write another, you know, five. Let's just put these out while we can um, and just, you know, give people some some singles, some content, you know. Um, and then eventually, yeah, we were able to put out the full album this past year. So that was rewarding. Um, but like you said, so, though, Steve, I think yeah. a lot of people like just it's just harder to get people to listen to full albums in general. You know, a lot of people are just listening to the radio or the singles that come out on um, new LPs. So um, we yeah. try to release as many as singles as we can. <laughs> it's the streams. It's, it's Spotify. Yeah. That you try to hook on the algorithm. Right. So the more singles you release, the better chances you, you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, then there's, and, and we'll get into this after the break, but then there's that other dynamic of social media and how do you work that aspect yeah. of it? Let me ask you, do you guys make physical CDs for marketing at all or no? We did. We did for a bit. Yeah. We had EPs of our, uh, sorry, we had CDs of our first EP. I, I remember we, we bulk ordered those. Um, but I, it's, I, it's not as big of a priority for us anymore. I don't think, um, you know, it's always good to have a handful of CDs just, in case people want them, you know, you can throw them out on the merch table. It shows just to, you know, um, yeah. if you want to listen to it in the car or something. But mainly we're just trying to prioritize, like you said, you know, presence on social media and other kinds of merch that um, would get the brand out there. But Yeah. The only, the, the only demand I see for CDs, believe it or not, is from radio stations. Mm. You know, they right. don't want you to. It's really weird. It's I mean, one, try yeah. to find a, try to find a CD player. Yeah. Number one. Oh, yeah. This is from an old man talking, right? They don't even have um, them in cars anymore. It's literally yeah. just like satellite. Yeah. So so that's basically what, what they're used for. Or like you say on the merch thing, and then what are they gonna do? Give it to their grandparents because right. they still have they still have the C D. Hey, when we came into the show today, uh we heard the song What Lies Ahead. So um either of you guys grab this, you know, how did that germinate? How did that become a song? When when was that released? And give me some history on it. Yeah, that so that song was off of our first EP. And that's kind of one of the reasons that we chose this song in particular was to kind of show a little bit of a progression. Um, But this this song was written by our friend Greg and has a lot of uh, like, you know, pretty cool, in my opinion, lyrical themes about like moving on um, and kind of dealing with past relationships or trauma. Um, 
But uh, yeah, he kind of wrote it. And it, like I said, it was in that beginning phase that he kind of brought it to the group um, when it was mostly fully written. And we kind of just put our tweaks here and there. Um, but I think it's a really good showcase of, you know, what the band can do. It's personally a live staple of ours. Evan always does an awesome rock and drum solo with it. Um, and it just kind of has that vibe of like an up, up tempo pop punk song with some maybe more darker, darker, more complex lyrics at certain points. Um, and yeah, it just kind of gives a good showcase of like our early stages and what we were all about. Evan, I think it's a good, I think it's a good gateway song in my eyes, which is like, if you, you listen to it in the context of our entire discography, it gives you a good idea of where we started, you know, that you can, you can hear the, the influences of the first EP, but also I think it was, I, it might've been the last song that we wrote or that was on that EP, or if it wasn't, it kind of feels like it was just because like we use that as definitely sort of a springboard to explore more instrumental varieties moving yeah. forward when we continue to write songs after that you know there's a lot of dynamic changes like uh tempo changes in the song and um you know time signature and things like that so um we definitely use that as a basis for some of our songwriting uh moving forward after after we ended up finishing it nice so let's do this let's just take a quick break and when we come back i really want to talk about your influences individually in in music and I'd like to talk, uh, explore social media uh, a little bit more because it's, it's such a dynamic thing that's changing and uh, just another thing you need in your tool belt to, uh, to be heard. So uh, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with Final Call. Hang with us, everybody. Are you a singer-songwriter who wants to take your music to the next level and you need some professional musicians and really that expertise to help you along? Well, check out Melts in Your Ears Studio. It's Mike Nugent's studio. If you like what you've heard here today, Mike's the guy who can make the connections, put the tracks together, and give you a quality product. Check it out. Hey, everybody. We're back with Final Call, and we're going to talk about the influences these guys have. Evan, why don't you take it? What was your major influence? Yeah, cool. Thanks. So um, I grew up listening to basically whatever my dad would put on in the car. Um, I uh, I grew up way out east on Long Island, so we had really long rides to school every day because I went to school, um, obviously in Huntington and also in Setauket for middle school. So um, we I was in the I was in the car with my dad for at least two hours every day, and he was a big new wave guy. Um, he loves the Police. He would always play those. We basically just had like 80s greatest hit CDs that we would listen to. So I grew up listening to a lot of that. Um, a lot of The Cure. I remember we had uh, their greatest hit CD too. Um, he, I think, was influenced by his brothers to listen to The Beatles. So I grew up listening to The Beatles all the time as well. Um, so that's kind of what I grew up with. That's, that's what I enjoyed listening to. Um, and then uh, when I went to high school and met these guys, they are the ones who introduced me to... The, the pop punks, like your Green Days, your Blink-182s, your Yellow Cards, your Sum 41s, things like that. Um, I didn't really know any of that stuff until I met these guys. Um, you know, Pat and Greg showed me a lot of that. So, And that's kind of what influenced my that, – that was around the time I started to learn how to drum. Uh, so that's what influenced my drumming, I would say. 
um, and just like style of, you know, what I'm going for. I think about Trey Cool, the Green Day drummer, all the time when I'm up there on stage. Just I, I've seen so many of his live performances. That's what I try to emulate in my uh, in my writing and my performances. So, yeah, around the time we started to write music and learn our instruments a little bit more, I was definitely more on the pop punk kind of train. Um, now I listen to a lot more alternative indie stuff, which has, uh, I mean, everything you listen to influences your songwriting and that has definitely felt it partially as well. Um, I listen to a lot of like Arctic Monkeys, Tame Impala kind of now, you know, just getting a little bit more um, on the independent side of things. They're not really independent, but that's what it's called. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've kind of run the gamut of a bunch of different genres um, and just influenced by a lot of different people in my life. So I'm thankful for that. Definitely. All right. One other question. Who's your favorite drummer of all time? <clears throat> That's hard. Um, I mentioned Trey Cool. He's definitely up there. Uh, no, you can't, I, you can't go, not... you can't go back to him. You got, you got, you got to think. You <laughs> yeah, got to think yeah. now. I, I mean, Travis Barker is hard to beat. Like he's, he's too good, you know? Um, also, I mean, Ringo has a soft spot, has a soft spot in my heart. I know he's, he's Ringo, but like, I, I love the Beatles so much when I was a kid that I will always get down. Uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll never say no to listening to a good, uh, to a good Ringo beat for sure. Right, fair, um, fair enough. Fair enough. All right, Pat, you're up. All right. Um, well, as Evan mentioned that, you know, we, we are a pop punk alternative rock band. So I think all four of us have a very strong influence by a lot of those, um, you know, really big pop punk alternative rock bands. So Green Day, Blink-182, Weezer, Foo Fighters, Panic at the Disco, mm -hmm. Fall Out Boy. Um, but I think we each, like Evan said, he he tends to stray more into the indie side. Um I tend to stray a little bit more into like the singer songwriter or acoustic or soft rock side. So I'm a really, really big Oasis fan. Um, mm. I like James Taylor a lot. Um, I'll listen to Ed Sheeran a decent amount. Um, and I think that just comes from, you know, my love of acoustic rock and everything, but um, uh, basket case by green day is definitely the song that like changed my life. You know, my dad put it on my iPod when I was in, fifth grade and I just kind of never looked back from there. So I think a lot of my vocal styles and stage performance um, and, you know, songwriting techniques, a lot of that comes from Billy Joe Armstrong and Green Day and what they've done for, you know, the face of alternative rock music. Now, um, besides your influences, Pat, I'm really interested in, how do I put this? How you found your voice to sing in the band mm -hmm. and over the nine years, have you had any dramatic changes in how you sing? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a, that's a great question. Um, so I was actually one of those singers who I I've never been in chorus or had a vocal lesson or anything. So it was kind of more just like a, something that I did on the side. Um, and I've never been classically trained or anything, which I think, has its pros and cons um, because as I was kind of, let's just say, you know, high school, college, puberty era, when your voice is kind of um, becoming what it is, um, those were the, you know, those pop punk bands, which tend to have like more nasally voices, um, tend to sing a lot higher, mm -hmm. um, a lot more upbeat type of energy in their voices. That's definitely what influenced my voice as like, we were becoming a band and started to write our own music and stuff. Um, 
so that's definitely where if I was going to attribute kind of like how my voice is and how I work on it. That being said, as you said, we've been a band for nine years now, so things do change over time. So I would say just my voice getting a little bit deeper, you know, you can definitely um, kind of see some of that over the progression mm-hmm. of our albums um, and just kind of like fine tuning things. You know, I'm just always trying to improve, whether that be on our original songs or live performances. So just kind of fine tuning to introduce some more like classical vocal techniques. I was part of an acapella group in college. So that taught me a lot about, um, you know, pitches and keys and um, vibrato and just other things that I can kind of introduce into the songs to make it a little bit more interesting. So now is it, is it pretty much you as far as the lead singer or do the other guys also support you uh, in the songs as well? It is just me. And for the most part on the stuff we've recorded thus far, the backup vocals are either me or a combination of the band doing like a gang vocal type of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. We're trying to incorporate a little bit more of those backups into our live performances and stuff and even into writing, you know, more songs, kind of giving, you know, allocating that backup responsibility a little bit more. Um, But yeah, primarily me for the singing. Yeah, because it's interesting because when you're in the studio, obviously you can tweak things and go that. But now, how do you emulate what you did in the studio when you're out and about and, and yeah, doing and doing? You want to do justice to the song, right? So yeah, exactly. yeah. We just recently started prioritizing, or just for this last show, we we definitely took time to focus on backups, um, just because you know whenever you watch a live performance, if there's something that's good and you can't really place it, in my opinion, it's always the backups coming in and making it sound just like more full, you know, um, and a little bit more dynamic than you would think. So um, we we tried to push it at this last show, but it, it's it's hard to 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 do that. Yeah, ab- absolutely. So um, let's switch gears a little bit. Um, let's talk about social media. As my voice squeaks, <laughs> talking about vocals, right? Um, what I find interesting with bands and soul acts today is one, there's a, a kind of like a generational gap between older musicians who are not, you know, they know Facebook and that's it. And they don't want to touch anything else to get the word out. They almost look at social media as a bragging as opposed to promotional and getting the word out and increasing your audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you guys approach it now? I did. Uh, by the way, I do like your videos. I like the. I think you were on a rooftop somewhere, or uh, you were on the High Line. I recognized. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So yeah, great, great, great place to to do a video. Um, how, how do you how do you handle it now? I mean, uh, as you you approach it, because uh, there's got to be some consistency, from what I understand, if you want to get the message out. Yeah, I mean, like we we tend to. St- you know, stray towards the, like the younger side, like you said, try to use it as promotional materials. Um, One, because we want to expand, you know, our fan base and exposure and get more people to listen to us. But um, especially with some of the newer platforms like TikTok, like you can just see there's so many musicians who are gaining recognition through TikTok, you know, like people who have won Grammys was, you know, originally got famous through TikTok two years ago. It's amazing. Um, so yeah. it's it's unbelievable. So we're really just trying to like get exposure, 
try to get more people to listen to our music. Um, and then where we can, you know, we'll also try to input some of our personalities. So like we'll post a TikTok, you know, that has our musical influences or like whether we think a song is good or not, just a little bit more fun things to kind of give the, the, the band side of it. Um, but a lot of our social media and we do have all the major platforms. If, you know, anyone is interested in following us, um, is more about, you know, promoting upcoming shows or upcoming releases, um, any merch that we might have for sale, things like that. Um, yeah. but we will use it as a promotional tool where we can. Yeah. And as a reminder to, to our audience, take a look in the chapter marks, you'll see all the different links for the band, uh, Spotify uh, playlist, so on and so forth, so you can connect with them. Just an interesting uh, a tidbit, and I was talking to um, the Como brothers, who are from Long Island, great guys, big on social media, uh, kind of like a pop duo, uh, remind me of the Everly brothers. Um, okay. And right now, uh, YouTube is actually paying uh, to do shorts, for 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 different creators to do shorts because they're trying to uh, steal away uh, the audience from TikTok. Right. So they're 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 putting they're financing. So like they get paid like thirty bucks a reel to do. Oh wow! Yeah, it's just <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And I just didn't hear from them. I heard it from another guy uh, who's in your neighborhood, in Manhattan, a guy named Dante Mazzetti, another great guy. He during COVID he played from his balcony every night with his wife and he, and he grew to like 42,000 followers and he's uh, oh, wow. a Dylan-esque uh, type of guy and a really nice guy just, and he's a fireman in New York city. That's his day job. Oh. And uh, so he's got, got a pension coming eventually, which is, uh, <laughs> which is, which always uh, comes in handy. Hey, let's talk about the second song. I'm sorry. Kind of uh, Evan, I, did you want to talk about social media or no? No, I mean, Pat had all the highlights. We, uh, we definitely, it's, it, we view it as a, as a tool for exposure um, and like promoting upcoming shows. We put all of our live performances on YouTube. So if anybody uh, wants to, you know, view those, you can see, um, you know, all that we've been up to. And then, uh, yeah, we, uh, we have two music videos out there. Those were a ton of fun to film. That's what you were talking about um, up on the high right. line and on the roof. We were, uh, we filmed a music video for our, um, one of our singles from our, our previous album uh, at, Patent, patent my old apartment um, up in Chelsea and Manhattan. And, and uh, we had our friend Matt, um, Matt Feedy to come and uh, help film us or help us film that. Um, so that was a ton of fun. And yeah, I mean, we're just trying to put out as much stuff. We try to stay active on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, all those, and just um, let everybody know what we're up to and, and what's coming up. Right. Exactly. So let's talk about fare- Farewell, correct? Uh, the second yeah. song that you brought yeah. to it. So whoever wants to take it and just kind of give me how the song came about. I ne- By the way, I never ask uh, uh, a singer-songwriter, what does it mean? Okay, because you can't do that. I mean, it, it means a lot of things to a lot of people. But you may want to talk about the influences or, or who wrote it. And, and then uh, as soon as you, we go through that, then we'll have our audience have a listen to it. Yeah. I mean, Farewell was a ton of fun to write. Um, it, it was definitely a group effort. Uh, I think Greg had the skeleton. Wait, 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 wait a second. Is this the drummer telling me he wrote a song for the band? <laughs> no, we, you know, the, we'll old, you know, the joke after the, after the third, it was nice knowing you, Evan. And, uh, we'll see you uh, <laughs> in another band in the future someday. Sorry. Go ahead. 
Um, no, yeah, but it, it was it was a lot of fun. We all wrote different parts of it. Um, it is definitely kind of a, a puzzle of a song that we all put together together. Um, and uh, yeah, Greg had um, he had most of the lyrics written, I think, and and some of the melodies. Um, I I I remember uh, very distinctly actually, Greg and I in my basement writing part of it together. Um, we hadn't written the solo yet or the bridge part. So Greg and I sat down and it's honestly one of my favorite memories that I have of, of just being in the band um, is just sitting down and writing, you know, and bouncing ideas off each other and saying like, oh, let me do this. And oh, that sounds like shit. Do something else or, you know, something like that and, and figuring out what sounds good together. So, yeah, we we definitely it, this was a group effort song. And um, it's kind of funny that uh, uh, you mentioned this or that we played it now because it is definitely relevant to our, our uh, internet presence as well, I would say, because Farewell is the first song where we were able to um, apply to Spotify to get it on one of their, uh, one of their, you know, sponsored playlists. Um, so I think we got it onto two of them. Um, yeah. And a, as you could probably guess, it, it blew up um, from that, at, at least in, you know, relation to what we had been doing at that point. Um, we got a ton of listens from those, so uh, that that was that was really awesome to see. That Spotify recognized that as a song that was good enough to promote from their side, um, and now it's our most listened to song on Spotify. That's 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 amazing because it's just <laughs> even the same thing with my podcast. If you get recommended, yeah, all of a sudden overnight, you're you're t- it's a ten thousand, you know, fifty thousand yeah. people. Yeah, you know, no, it's we, just, it's, that's why the song got so big for sure. Excellent. Pat yeah, and on Spotify, you can, I mean, from an artist perspective, you can kind of, they, it's pretty good about showing you some metrics about, you know, how have your listens changed over the year or the month or the week or whatever, and how many of them are male versus female and where they live too. So like that was the, this was the first song that, you know, it went from kind of a local group um, of people we knew. Uh, maybe a couple of pop punk or alt rock fans in the industry who we we had met at shows and whatnot to one of our songs being listened to in Indonesia, you know, in Ireland yeah. and being featured on a playlist with bands that I have on the wall behind me, you know, like it was nice. just a very, it was a big step for us. Um, so like, and this was part of our second EP. So this was like our, you know, our second outing. Um, and this was kind of the highlight from that particular EP. Um, yeah. And it just, it has a very kind of fast punk rock vibe to it, you know, yeah. reminiscent of Blink-182. It was you fun know, to write. It's fun to play live. Uh, we still do it to this day. So, yeah, it's a good time. Nice. All right. So, without further ado, let's listen to Farewell. And we'll be right back after the song, everybody. Check it out. It's not that I don't like you. It's I can't take this anymore. All these days.
everybody we're back with final call and guys you know we touched on moving from the studio to your live performances and kind of emulating or not emulating what you do in the studio but tell me about your live performances what you've done recently uh and what type of performances are you doing in, in types of venues and stuff like that and what people can expect when they go see final call yeah for sure um so kind of like we touched on before um we started uh and we still definitely play on long island you know we we absolutely do and we actually have an upcoming show at finley's oh, yeah sure um in hunting in the village uh so that's on friday december 16th from 8 to 11 um but like we touched on you know we we started off a lot of places on li like amityville musical revolution 89 north house of brews um, you know, no specific town or anything went all around. Napper Tandy's we played, 
Um, but as we've, you know, kind of shifted bases a little bit into the city, we've been doing more gigs here. Um, so we played at the Red Lion in the West Village a couple weeks ago, which was one of our biggest shows. We played at Parkside Lounge on the Lower East Side, uh, Rockwood Music oh, nice. Hall. Um, so and we were, let me yeah, inter- we were, let me interrupt. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry because I do that once and again. So yeah, what what, what size audiences are you are you, are you doing when you're in the city? And what I think is great about the city, and I was just mm-hmm. thinking about this the other day, is you know what you just got exposure to such a huge population. Even though there's a big population yeah. on Long Island, it's even more like that in New York. So if you're going right. to increase your fan base, you're going to be in Brooklyn and New York, you know, Long Island City to, to get it. Right. Done. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go mm-hmm. ahead, Pat. No, no, not at all. That's a that's a good question. Um, I mean, typically, if you know, we're only doing a couple shows a year or one one every you know couple months or so. We do tend to pull in a lot of our own fans and friends and family mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, but like you said, we get a lot of good exposure just from people in the city. Um, so, like the Red Lion show, we probably had about one hundred and fifty oh, nice. people, give or take. Yeah. This pretty um, back. We had the benefit of the World Cup game that day. Helping oh, us nice. Out too. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I would say like typically our shows range from like 75 people to 200 people we've had, um, depending on the show. Um, so that's it in terms, you know, number of people. But uh, I think we place as a band, at least we place a lot of emphasis, you know, an equal, if not more emphasis on our live performances, um, just because as a pop punk band, um, you know, and one that sometimes plays to decent sized crowds, you have to keep people entertained, Absolutely. you know, so we, we do try really hard to bring a lot of crowd participation. And when we're not playing our own music, you know, play a lot of covers that are going to get people into it and singing and dancing. And we just really like to have a good time with everyone. Um, so we usually get you know, pretty positive feedback and responses from people who have never seen us just about, you know, how much fun everyone's having. And we, we try to have fun both with the audience and with each other, you know, because we've known each other forever. You know what that defines for me? And I've seen this and we've all seen people out live, you know, where you have someone who's a performer, who's very good at what they do. They're doing it, yet they're not so focused in on the entertainment or the yin and yang with the audience or, or, or putting weight on, Hey, you know what they, I'm here to help them have fun. Okay. Which is some aspect of things. Sometimes when people are making out on background music or what have you and others, it's like, yeah, I really want to be engaged. And then you feed off of that, obviously that energy, but it, it takes a lot of experience to do that. And recognize and, and a front man can really drive that. So there's a lot of probably a lot of responsibility on, on you, Pat, to help pull that together. Oh, because yeah, you're, sure. you're not going to you're not going to rely on Evan. And God knows what the hell. Gre- oh. I don't have to do anything. I'm sitting he's, in the yeah. back. I, I I'm in on my backup microphone. I don't yeah, do he's, anything. He's, he's like a live <laughs> metronome. And, and we all recognize that yeah. with most drummers, you know. But the, the real big mystery is this guy, Dr. Greg. I mean – so there's a third member of the band for the audience who doesn't know who, I don't know, I guess he didn't have time to show up and help promote the band on the Long Island Sound podcast. I don't know. I haven't met the guy. With my with my luck, the guy is probably 6'8 and 250 pounds, and he's going to kick my ass if I ever see him in public again. But That's exactly what he looks like. Oh, is he really? Yeah. He's, oh, no. Okay. No. Oh, God. I, I, 
I almost <laughs> lost my bladder there for a second. I apologize. But uh, someday I'll meet Greg and we'll find out. We'll find out the, re- the rest someday. of the story, you know, because I, I feel kind of slighted. I'm just saying, you know, I'm, I mean, you got. Yeah. Oh, it's I okay. get it. Well, I don't know. What do you want to talk about now? Um, I, I mean, just to add on to the live show. All right, right we'll like, talk I, about the live um, show. Go ahead, Evan. Go ahead, yap away. <laughs> no, no, I, I mean, Pat is is he's 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 very eloquent. He's saying everything I'm going to say. But uh, yeah, I mean, the point of the live shows, at least from my perspective, is twofold. It's to get people that you know to come, and it's to get people that you don't know mm. to come. Uh, it, it's to it, it's a it's a fun time because. We tend to or we like to have a lot of people there that already know us. Um, You know, we always invite all of our friends, all of our family, whoever wants to come, you know, and that's what makes it fun for us. But the other, uh, you know, on the other side of the coin is to get people to come who don't know us. And then maybe they come and if we don't suck, they're like, hey, these guys don't suck. And I'll listen to them, you know, uh, in my spare time. And I think that's what we've started to see playing more. Um, playing bigger venues like here in Manhattan and also some of the bigger ones we played on Long Island. Uh, I know at the last show that we played there, we, we were talking to our friends afterwards and they said there were a bunch of people there who were coming up and talking to them and being like, hey, do you know this band? You know, they, they sound pretty good. And that's the best part of it to hear, at least for me, is like people coming in and realizing like, hey, this band is worth my time, you know, and, and that's that's the, the, the fiscal reason that we play the shows. But the real reason we play them is just because it's a good time for us. Like we like playing, we like playing live, we like playing for people, and we're going to do that, you know, however long. Yeah, and you know, the venue operators obviously they're making money off you, and they see that vibe going on, and they see people having a good time. And guess what? That equals that equals more eating and drinking, you know. Which no, it really (laughs) does. I mean, that's I mean that's the math of it. You guys, you guys know business, so um, you know that that's the approach of it. So. The third song, if we don't mind switching to that, because I, I just want to check my list mm-hmm. off. Okay. Busted Evan's Balls, check. Busted <laughs> Greg's Balls, check. Can't Greg. bust Pat's yeah. Balls. He's the main guy of the band. So oh. Got yeah, that checked. Okay. <laughs> hey, let's talk Let's talk about the last song. So whoever wants to take it and, and give me some background what the song is, and then we'll have the audience take a listen to it. Yeah, so this one, I, I mean, you're not going to believe me, but this is a Evan original. This is a written by the drummer. I, I know it's hard to believe, but that's what happened. Um, Crazy. I had an idea one day, and uh, I, I mean, I obviously didn't write the whole thing, um, but I wrote most of the lyrics and got the structure down. And then I worked with Greg to, you know, I, I kind of, I remember I was sitting with him and I was like, hey, can you play this? And I would just like hum a melody and he would, you know, noodle it out on guitar. Um, and I was like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. So it uh, definitely helped with, and, and like I wrote uh, some of the lyrics with Pat too, and he helped me change some things around to make it sound, you know, um, as as perfect as we can get it. So um, yeah, I mean, uh, idea came from me, but uh, obviously a lot of influence from everybody else. And it was our second single off of our first full album that we released this past year, back in April of 2021, uh, 2022. Um, and also our second music video. Uh, we had one for... Um, a different song called Slosh off of our second EP. And then uh, when we were making this album, we decided that we wanted to make another one. So we uh, picked this song to film the video for. That's up on our YouTube channel. There's clips of it on TikTok and Instagram and everything there. So definitely check that out. It was an awesome time to film. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a good song. It, it's, um, I mean, like I'm saying that about my own song. I don't want it to right. sound, you know, no, no, you know, um, you but know it's yeah. interesting too. I was listening to spot, I was listening to music on Spotify 
and usually I just play Spotify either through a smart uh, device or what have you. So I'm listening to your song, and for some reason I swipe up, and all of a sudden the video is playing for that song on Spotify, which right, I was like, yeah. oh, crap, I didn't know that that could do that, which I think is great. You know, I think, I think yeah. the more uh, – and this is part of my own curiosity – I always wanted to know more about the band, uh, the people behind the band. You know, what's their story? Just like the newcomers to your live shows, like who, they want to hear from somebody. Like, who are these guys? And you know, because they have mm-hmm. that that interest, and that interest is your music first. But then adding that story and the personal aspects to it really kind of fills out a nice picture. Because guess what? I want to listen to people I like as well. You know, and uh, hopefully that's what we're doing uh, in this podcast. We're giving. Uh, you guys know the platform for people to get to know you, um, Evan and Pat, and nobody knows about Greg. So uh, uh, maybe if I let you on next time, uh, I got to think about it. I don't <laughs> want to make the offer if, 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 I'm, if I'm being insincere. All right. So who wants to introduce the next song? We'll let our audience uh, listen to it. Evan, you t- Evan, I choose you. Oh, choose me. Okay. Well, this is called Champagne. Uh, it was off our most recent album, and um, hope you enjoy. All right, check it out, everyone.
everybody. We're back with Final Call. Tell me, Pat, what's the future for the band? What do you've got coming up? Where do you see things heading? Yeah. So um, like we mentioned before, we have a show on December 15th at Finley's in Huntington. Um, so just getting prepared for that. We're excited to have a really good time. Um, in terms of what? What? You said 15. It's the 16th. I don't want to confuse it. Oh, my bad. 16. <laughs> you don't even know when the shows are coming. Yeah, I always get the dates confused. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. 16th. Um, but in terms of like things that we're looking forward to as a band, um, we already you know, have some draft songs pulled together that we're working on. Um, so probably over the next couple months, we're going to get together, start to hash them out and maybe even get into the studio to release a single or two. Um, just kind of depends on what the release schedule might look like. Um, but also just trying to look into, you know, more upcoming shows, both in New York City and Long Island. That's probably what we're going to be putting a lot of our focus into for the next year or so. Um, and yeah, just continuing to work on uh, expanding social media presence, creating new original music that hopefully people love and putting on some kick-ass shows. Excellent. That's what's on the horizon. Well, I tell you, it was really nice meeting you guys today. I really had a blast talking to you. I really look forward to uh, get, taking a deeper dive personally into music, into your music and, and see what you got to offer. What I've heard so far, I'm very impressed with. Uh, the videos are great. Uh, Thank you. I mean, you've guys been together for nine years, so you've, you've figured something out. Uh, and I think, uh, hey, music heals the world. So keep doing what you guys are doing uh, and Absolutely. enjoy the holidays. And hey, my, my, my pleasure to have you here. So uh, uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you for joining us today. I appreciate the time you spent with us. Please subscribe and comment and visit us at gigdestiny.com. Till next time, be generous with your joy, keep your spirits high, and let the music take you on a journey. Be well. Peace. Thanks so much for listening. Please rate, review, and comment on the show. We really love to hear from you. And call our listener line at 631-800-3579. Again, thanks so much. Be well.